eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rico Bronia. The Mets made big news. They're going to have an extension for Jeremy Hefner. And I got to tell you, when I saw that piece of news, and that's great. Jeremy Hefner is a fine pitching coach. I saw extension, and I got very excited because I said extension. Is it Jacob DeGrom? Is it Edwin Diaz? Is it Brandon Nimmo? And it's Jeremy Hefner. No offense to Jeremy, but a couple of days ago, we did a pod on Jacob DeGrom, focusing on his free agency, focusing on the importance of keeping him and how to replace him. We also did a pod about some of the worst Met losses, uh, Met season-ending losses. But today is, a, I think, a happier Rico Bronia because we're going to focus on Brandon Nimmo. And Brandon Nimmo is the kind of guy over the last decade that's given you a smile. And so, yeah, we may think about potentially losing him and how to replace him, which doesn't give you a smile. But overall, Brandon Nimmo has been a really good Met. And when you think of the name Brandon Nimmo, you can't help but smile. And you may have noticed I said a decade. And the reason I said a decade was because Brandon Nimmo is one of those guys, and we have this with a few guys, where we know about them the day they're drafted. You know, in the case of Jacob DeGrom, when the Mets drafted Jacob DeGrom, we never thought about it. We didn't know about it. In fact, a lot of us didn't know about Jake until maybe a year, less than a year, until he was called up in 2014. And that happens a lot with prospects where, you know, you hear about guys when they start to get close. But Brandon Nimmo was a guy we heard of right away. And we heard about him right away for a few reasons. Number one, it was Sandy Alderson's first draft as the general manager of the New York Mets. Remember, Sandy replaced 
Omar Minaya. There was new hope with Sandy. He was going to kind of turn the Mets around. And so when he made that draft selection in 2011, there was a little bit more focus on it because this was his first. And they drafted a guy in Brandon Nemo, who I think we all first called him Brandon Nemo because we thought about the movie Finding Nemo. And then we all noticed, wait a second, this guy can't play high school baseball because his high school didn't have a baseball team. So the first things we saw about Brandon Nemo were a little, really? What the hell's this guy going to be? We heard about him, and we kind of kept our our brain on him for a couple of years. And then before he ever got to the major leagues, the selection of Brandon Nimmo faced criticism because the guy who was selected right after Nimmo, unfortunately, isn't with us anymore, but he was great for a while, and that's the late Jose Fernandez. So for a while, we're not only hearing about the Mets drafting this high school project from Wyoming, who can't even play baseball in high school because his high school doesn't have a baseball team. But now we're unfairly comparing him to Jose Fernandez, who burst onto the scene with the Miami Marlins. So long before Brandon ever made his major league debut, before we knew that much about him, he was a name we had heard of and a name that faced criticism. He did face criticism. And a part of that was the connection to Sandy Alderson. What is Sandy doing? He's taking this high school project. What's the deal with him? And here's what's funny about Brandon Nemo. When he was first called up in 2016, and remember, the Mets have expectations in 2016. Uh, They're coming off a year in which they won the National League pennant the year before. Obviously, the following year, we're at that moment, before Matt Harvey had gotten seriously hurt and Jacob deGrom had gotten hurt, we're still thinking, hey, This Met team can win the division. This Met team can make the playoffs. Maybe they can go on another postseason run. So Nimmo's called up as part of a team that mattered, not as part of a, hey, we're rebuilding, we suck. Let's see what the kids have. And Brandon made his major league debut back in June of 2016 and didn't play a major role on that team in 2016. He actually only played 32 games, but when he did play, he showed you a little bit, a tiny bit, you know, hit a little bit, hit about 270, 275, and then promptly was sent back to AAA. So it really didn't make much of an impact in 2016. What I remember, though, about 2017, when he was on the team for however long he was, and it wasn't a long time, he got called up in the middle of June, kind of a similar trajectory time-wise as 2016. What I remember about Nemo in 2017 is that he came up and didn't play all the time which was unusual because usually when you have a top prospect, when you have a guy that was taken in the first round, they come up and play. They don't come up and ride the bench. And Brandon Nimmo was pretty much treated like a fourth outfielder. But what jumped out at me is that he was really good coming off the bench. And so the the splits were there. Like Brandon Nimmo as a pinch hitter was an effective hitter. When he started games, the, the times that he did, he wasn't nearly as effective. So I'm thinking at this point, I'm looking at this 24-year-old former first-round pick, and I'm thinking to myself, this is a pretty good left-handed bat off the bench. And look, is is there anything wrong with that? Not necessarily. When you take a guy in the first round, you have higher expectations. But at this point, it's 2017. It's six years later. Like I, I can't be beholden to what the expectations were six years earlier. And look, there's a lot of first-round picks that just never even make it to the major leagues let alone can carve out a role. 
So Brandon Nimmo in 2017 plays 69 games. It shows us his eye. You know, that was the one thing that jumped out at us. Showed us he has an ability to get on base and always had a high on base percentage, was relatively productive, and then the season's over. And here's the big part of Brandon Nemo where everything started to turn. There were two stories going on during the offseason of 17 into 18. Number one was Giancarlo Stanton. I never thought that the New York Mets were going to go after Giancarlo Stanton. At the time, we were owned by the Wilpons. You may recall that. You may remember that. The Mets had also locked up Yoenis Cespedes. So they were never going after Giancarlo Stanton. But Sandy Alderson made a comment. And that comment, you know, all these years later actually looks not too bad. But at the time, he pissed off Pete Hoffman. And he pissed off me. Because he said, in terms of going after Giancarlo Stanton, why would we need Stanton? We have Nimmo. Now, in fairness, Brandon Nimmo had been in the major leagues for two years, was a part-time player, and at that point was mostly showing that he could be a good left-handed bat off the bench, but he was still young, so we never really knew. But at the time, it only played 101 games. Was a 265-270 hitter and had hit six career home runs. And our general manager is saying, who needs Stanton? We've got Nimmo. And I personally didn't find it funny. Hoff, did you find it funny when Sandy said that? I hated every ounce of it. And I hated Sandy for the most part after that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> now, little did we know, he may have been right. Now, the other thing that happened during that offseason, and I take complete ownership of this. I always think it's important to be held accountable for the things you say, good and bad. During the offseason of 2017, again, I've pretty much defined what Brandon Nimmo was in case you forgot. He'd been in the major leagues for parts of two seasons, showed some signs, don't get me wrong, showed some signs of being productive, but was not an everyday player at this point. Had played all parts of the outfield. He was still relatively young, 25 years old, so we don't know what he is yet. There were rumors that the New York Mets were interested in Andrew McCutcheon. Now, in fairness, Andrew McCutcheon was 30 years old at the time. He was a few years removed from his MVP season, but was 30 and was coming off a season in which he had 279, hit 28 home runs, and had an 850 OPS. Pretty good. Not too bad. And the Pirates were looking to deal him. The Pirates had realized, all right, our window is pretty much closed on that little run that they had where they made the playoffs a few times, got to the wild card game, and they had realized, all right, it's probably over for us. So the Pittsburgh Pirates were ready to move on from Andrew Andrew McCutcheon as a 30-year-old, still productive outfielder. Now, he wasn't the guy he was in 13 and 14 when he's winning the MVP but still a productive player. I wanted Andrew McCutcheon. I raised my hand. I absolutely wanted the guy. Was never convinced he was going to be the MVP again, but I saw a guy with an 850 OPS, really good eye, a little bit of pops, still had some speed. Why not? The New York Mets balked at trading for Andrew McCutcheon. Now, Hoff and I could say, yeah, they really balked because of the money. And maybe they did. They were owned by the Wilpons. It may have been more about the money. But Sandy Alderson claimed I balked because they wanted Nimmo and we weren't willing to give up Brandon Nimmo. And I remember being on the midday show with Joe 
where we both said, you got to do it. We're trying to win now. Nimmo's 25. Sure, he's young. Sure, he's got potential. But will Brandon Nimmo ever be as good as Andrew McCutcheon? And the truth is, no, he's never going to be the MVP from 2014. But from that moment on, because McCutcheon ended up with the Giants, eventually a short time with the Yankees, a couple years with the Phillies, a year with the Brewers. When you look at what Andrew McCutcheon then did, yes, Nimmo would be better. I didn't know that at the time. I take my big L. But Andrew McCutcheon, when you look at his time with the Giants, still somewhat productive, but not that good. His short time with the Yankees, where he actually was a pretty good Yankee, but it was only for a few weeks. His time with the Phillies, he was clearly not the same player. He was a part-time player. So to Sandy's credit, and to my blame, the New York Mets were right. Sandy got it right. And maybe it's because Sandy drafted him six years earlier and felt a loyalty to Brandon Nemo. But he decided not to make the trade for Andrew McCutcheon. <clears throat> and excuse me, we are all better off. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Because in 2018, Brandon Nimmo was given the chance to be an everyday player. And that's when we as Met fans fell in love with Brandon Nimmo. Because not only did we see Brandon Nimmo get on base 40% of the time, not only did we see Brandon Nimmo finish with an OPS that's as good as we've ever seen in a full season from him, even better than this past season of 886. We saw him show a little bit of pop by hitting 17 home runs. We saw him get hit by a million pitches. And we saw an everyday player that was productive. He wasn't great defensively in center field when he played center field. And he played all over the outfield. Played a little right field, played a little left field, played a little center field. But we saw that the former first-round pick from 2011 could be a productive player. And he was in 2018. And that's when we realized Sandy was right. Sandy was right to not trade him for Andrew McCutcheon. He wasn't the perfect player, but he was a good player. What happened to Brandon for the next three years, and I, I should take out 2020, if I'm being fair. 2020 is a very weird year to gauge. So I'll say 2019 and 2021 is we saw the thing with Brandon Nemo that was always a concern. He couldn't stay healthy. We knew when Brandon played, he was productive. I think he'd already shown that. He showed that in 2018. And he showed that when he was on the field in 19, when he was on the field in 20, which was most of the season. It was just an abbreviated season. So again, weird to look at. And he showed it in 2021. If Brandon Nimmo plays, he's productive. He's got a little bit of pop. He'll get hit by a million pitches. He's got a great eye. He'll strike out a lot, but he'll get on base. He's an on-base machine. And to me, I viewed that as the perfect ninth place hitter because I've always thought I want my ninth place hitter to be a second leadoff hitter. So I have another guy getting on base before my big bats. But Brandon Nimmo was so good at getting on base, he wasn't a ninth place hitter. He was a leadoff hitter. But Brandon needed to do two things going into this past season in 2022. 
not only for the Mets to have success, but for Brandon Nimmo to really establish himself as a real good everyday player who eventually gets paid in free agency. And those two things were very simple. Number one, he needed to stay healthy. Up until that point, and I'll you know kind of forget 16, 17 and, and his years as a minor leaguer. I'll look at his major league years. He was healthy in 18 for the most part, played 140 games, which I think nowadays is essentially a full season. In 2019, he only played 69 games. That is not acceptable. That's well short of half a season. 2020, he absolutely played. Weird to look at. It's a 60-game season. But in 2021, he only played 92 games. So think about this. Brandon Immel went into the 2022 season only having played 100 games or more one time. Brandon Nimmo needed to show he can be healthy. We know he's productive, but can he be healthy? Second thing he needed to do was get better in center field. Brandon Nimmo, in my opinion, here's another case where I'm going to take an L because I was wrong, was a corner outfielder. In fact, I shouldn't even say I'm taking an L on this, Hoff. He wasn't a good center fielder. That's not a wrong opinion. That's a fact. He wasn't. But to the kid's credit, he worked his ass off and became a good center fielder. So I guess if I or you were saying Brandon Immel can't be a center fielder, then that would be wrong. We were wrong. He proved us wrong. But in 2021 and 2020 and 2019, if you watch the Mets every day the way we do and you watch Brandon Nimmo, it was absolutely accurate to say he's not a very good center fielder. But in 2022, he was a very good center fielder. And in 2022, he played 151 games. So he accomplished the two things he needed to accomplish. He needed to be healthy and he needed to play center field well. And he did both. Now, I admit, a lot of what I saw from Brandon over the parts of seven seasons he was here, I doubted. I doubted he could be an everyday player. He turned out he could. I doubted he could stay healthy. At least he did in 2022. And I doubted he could become an everyday center fielder at a level that's acceptable. And he did. And I thought it behooved the Mets to trade him for Andrew McCutcheon. And I was wrong. And I thought it was smart for the Mets to get Stanton over him. Well, Stan's a hell of a player, but when you factor in the money and you factor in Nemo's production, I was wrong. How'd you feel about Brandon Nemo over the last seven years? Did you feel differently about him? So here's the thing about Nemo is to me, he reminds me, and it's in a good way, reminds me of a left-handed Hunter Pence. Hmm. Now, um, it's it's not numbers-based either. It's a lot of physical play. It's about what he does on the field. It's about his at-bats. It's like he's got this awkward, weird, gritty, dirty style to him, which gives me like a feel. Like if, if I wasn't a Met fan, I'd be like, that's the type of guy I want on my team. The problem is is that I I do see like some of the the flaws that he brings with him where it's like he's our little leadoff hitter. I, I like the on base, but I, I don't trust him get, making as much contact as some other people. I still worry about his defense sometimes at center field, even though we saw him this year make a huge catch at the wall in, in that uh you know in that what was it, the the, the Grom with the Dodger the Grom game, yeah, with Jake on the mound. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. It was amazing. So for that part, there's a lot of really good raw stuff about him, but he's not that 
complete numbers player, which brings his his num which which brings him down like a couple tiers. But overall, I, I can't complain about what he's done. I just feel like I'm looking for more. Well, the the problem is who gives you more? And that's one of the big things we're going to talk about. A, how much should Brandon Nimmo be paid? B, if you don't want to pay him, who replaces him? And I think when you go deeper into that, you realize that they sort of have to bring him back. Because if you're looking for a better player than Brandon Nimmo, and you're you're right, there are holes in his game. He's not a perfect player. Now, there aren't many perfect players, but he's not. You know, He's not a great player. He's a good player. In fact, maybe he's a very good player. But there isn't an answer that's better. And we'll go deeper into that. It's funny you bring up Hunter Pence. I've been racking my brain over the last few days in preparing for this in trying to figure out comparative contracts to Brandon Nemo. And Hunter Pence isn't a perfect comparison, but it's a solid comparison. He's not a center fielder, hit for a little bit more pop, right-hand hitter, but I get it. Like, kind of that grindy, gritty uh, guy that fans love, but a productive player. OPSs are somewhat similar. Hunter Pence had a contract in 2014, again, a long time ago, that kind of fits in the whole, hey, what's a similar contract to what Brandon Nemo may get? And Pence was a part of that. Um, Nimmo to me, I know we live in a new age of baseball, but some things are pretty basic. What do you want from a leadoff hitter? Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are listening right now who still envision the speedster, still envision the base stealer. And maybe with the bigger bases in baseball in 2023, maybe we go back to that. But for now, that's not what I'm looking for because there aren't a lot of that. There's not a lot of base stealers in baseball. And look, if you find a base stealer, but he only gets on base 32% of the time, I don't want him leading off. Because the guy who's leading off, to me, number one priority, and I think this is pretty obvious, I don't even think what I'm saying is crazy, is that he needs to get on base at a high percentage. Obviously, if I'm Aaron Judge, I know the Yankees were kind of forced into it. I want my slugger not necessarily leading off. I want my slugger driving in guys. So if my highest on base guy is also my best hitter and my best run producer, maybe then I don't want him leading off. Brandon Nimmo is not that. Brandon Nimmo is not the Mets' best run producer. But Brandon Nimmo is one of the better guys they have at working a deep pitch count, working a long at-bat, and drawing a walk. And Buck Showalter said this a lot throughout the season. Sometimes, frustratingly, he'd say this, and I'd get annoyed. But sometimes I'd say he's right, and that is Brandon Nimmo can change a game in the first inning. Brandon Nimmo can win a game in the first inning because he can make a starting pitcher throw 10 pitches, which not only makes him unload his arsenal, but in a day and age in which most starters aren't going more than 90 pitches, if a guy gives you a 10-pitch at-bat right out of the gate and you know he can't throw more than 90, do the math. He's already allotted 11% of his pitches to the first batter of the game. So a guy that can get on base, and yeah, a guy that can work deep pitch counts. I I think they're similar, though. If you get on base a lot, you're naturally going to work a deep at-bat, and you're naturally going to see a lot of pitches. That's just the way it is. So from that standpoint, while he's not perfect, and he does strike out a lot, uh, I can't dispute that, he is what I want from a leadoff hitter. Because if you go out, start looking for a better one, 
you're going to have a tough time finding it. So what Nimmo's become for me is a much better defensive center fielder, which is important. He's not the best, but he's gotten better. To me, he still plays way too deep, way too deep. Now, that helped him on the home run you mentioned against the Dodgers, but you'll see a lot of little bloops fall in. And I think the great center fielder will play shallow. Andrew Jones was a great center fielder. He played as shallow as anybody. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. was a great center fielder. He played as shallow as anybody. Nimmo's not, and maybe great's not the right word. He's become a really good defensive center fielder. He hasn't become great. And that's okay, by the way. Like, for him to make the jump that he's already made is awesome. And it's tremendous. 